Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding. His church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life. It's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious. Think well. Advance good. This is Q. Sometimes we're what's been called practical atheists mm. in the way we actually live moment to moment mm -hmm. and in the way we so easily lose or fail to cultivate that kind of awareness of, of what that means, that God is actually present with us, that his love does surround us. And if that's true, then... It's true when we're choosing what to watch on Netflix. It's, it's true when we're gardening. It's true when we're diapering a baby. Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons for this week. Hi, I'm Paul Perot from my home studio, Gabe's at his home. Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons is brought to you every week through a partnership of Q Ideas and Faith Radio. So what's your daily or even weekly liturgy? Maybe you say you're from a Christian tradition that is non-liturgical, but the reality is even most non-liturgical churches have a rhythm or general order of service, a liturgy if you wish. But the bigger question is about you yourself. What is your daily or even weekly routine, your liturgy? And what about that routine helps you stay focused on and connected to God through the day? That's the topic of today's show. Now, before we get to today's program and today's talk, with Q Ideas coming up April 22nd through the 24th, and all this talk about coronavirus and restrictions on travel, and even many communities under stay-in-shelter orders, you may be wondering how Q2020 can still happen. Well, Gabe would like to take a few minutes right now at the front of the show to address that very issue here on Q Ideas. I'm excited to talk to you today about the current moment we're in. I know that this is a heavy moment. I know that there is a lot going on that is change. There's a lot that creates fear. There's a lot that can kind of make you feel paralyzed and you're not quite sure what's happening or where this is going. And at moments like this, this is where we adapt. This is where we still rely on God more than ever. And that's where we as Christians actually know that we have hope. We know that God is in control, that we don't need to have fear. That is his children. We actually can look forward and hope of how he's turning something that obviously is creating a lot of suffering and creating a lot of change and creating a lot of hardship. He's going to turn that for good, and that is our outlook. That is what we put our hope in. That's what we rely on. We don't just rely on what we can see. We actually rely on faith, which is having hope for something that you can't see. And so I want to just encourage you today that we're all in this together. The one great thing that's coming out of this is we're all having to walk through the same journey now. We're all on the same page. We're all having to work and operate in new circumstances, many of us from home, Many people with children at home, maybe they're college age, maybe they're very young, maybe they're teenage. I know I have 
very young kindergartner at home, and I have three high schoolers, two of which special needs children, all kinds of just new dynamics that we aren't used to doing on a daily basis, especially when it comes to education. And so we're all in this together, and therefore we can learn from one another. We can encourage one another. It's an equal ground situation, and I think that's a beautiful thing, not just for us as Christians and people of faith, but even for us in relating to our neighbors and relating to just all of the human population. This one moment is bringing us together, and there's an opportunity in that. Now, I want to just speak to those of you who've been a part of this Q community for so many years. You know, for 14 years, we've tried to create an environment every year that allows us to come together, that allows us to connect that allows us to understand the cultural context, the climate of the moment that we're walking through, and then to know how to lead, how to be convicted about our faith, but then to courageously step out and lead. And I can't imagine a more important moment for us to do that than right now. And of course, the circumstances mean that we can't be together in the room together. We can't sit across tables. We can't be in the same type of environment we've typically come to appreciate in April of every year called the Q Conference. But we made a decision along with so many other places that this event wasn't going to be able to take place in the same way it always has. But instead of canceling, we were going to move forward, that we're actually going to double down on this moment, believing that God's called us into this time, that we want to understand this cultural moment. It's critical to understand it. Things have changed so quickly. Society's changing. There's a ton of questions. There's a lot of new questions that None of us would have anticipated just six months ago. And so we want to shift the focus of what's happening with Q and create an event now that's a virtual summit, which means not only can those who've always been a part of the Q event and the 2,000 leaders that were planning to be with us this year in Nashville can join in, but now people all over the world can join in, leaders in your communities, in your churches, people on your staff, people that you care about, just your friends and other families can now come together and just be a part of a uniting moment where for two days we're curating content that's going to be focused on how do we think about this cultural moment. It won't be two days just focused on coronavirus. It's going to be two days focused on what does this mean for the church? What does this mean for economics? What does it mean for us to think about sustainable living? How do we build our immunity system? How do we fight pandemics? How do we think about depression and mental health in light of this? And what is the new role for the church in light of changing circumstances where coming together on Sunday mornings can no longer be taken as assumed? And now we're in a new place where discipleship matters, we're training up leaders, we're understanding God's Word and what it says to us, knowing how to equip and prepare our families. How do we disciple our children? There are so many new questions that this moment is creating, and the hope that I see in it for all of us, is it's a giant reset. It's literally like a complete reset for how we are going to live, how we're going to operate together, how we're going to get back to some old practices that maybe we thought we had innovated past and in a modern time had moved on from, and now we're going to relearn. We're going to talk about some old ideas that need to be brushed off and need to be revisited as we Try to imagine what does it look like to be human and how do we flourish best in this moment? I would say the questions haven't stopped. The questions have grown. And Q stands for questions. And we want to create space where we're asking the most relevant questions. And so I want to just encourage you as you think about the weeks ahead that you know that you can look forward to April 22nd and 23rd, that there's going to be a significant gathering of Christians coming together, many sitting in their homes, many gathering their teenagers into the room, 
maybe a friend or two, maybe a colleague or two, or maybe we're all just watching from our own place. But there's going to be two days of unity. There's going to be two days where we're praying together, we're learning together, we're thinking together, we're chatting with one another, we're sharing with one another, we're having Q&As with some of the best experts on some of these topics so that we're getting filled up with new ideas and a new imagination for how we get to pioneer a new way forward. And that's really my perspective, is that when this type of change happens that is this significant, it is an opportunity for us to lead and pioneer new ways forward. And so instead of looking at this moment as negative, as looking at it as a problem, which of course we're all going to be confronted with the new challenges of living in this way, I want us as Christians to be those people of hope, those people of faith who are saying to God, God, what are you trying to birth right now? What is it that you're trying to bring into the world that could not have come into the world had we not stopped, had we not paused, had we not reflected, had we not sat back and said, God, what is it that you want to make new again? And what is it that you're making new in this moment? And so I want to encourage you as leaders in your own communities to bring this mentality to the people that you lead, to your families, to the people that you love, that we can trust God, that he's in control. But number two, that he actually wants us to be creative. He wants us to imagine with him, what is he trying to make new right now? What is it that actually needed to go away? What is it that needed to happen in the death of this moment where culture had to stop and, and some things actually had to go away? A lot of our entertainment went away. A lot of our sports went away, right? A lot of just the casual ways in which many times I would say we distract ourselves from the most meaningful things of life. Those are gone. And now we sit with ourselves. We sit with our books, we sit with our Bibles, we sit with our closest friends and community, and we start to learn together again. And so I want to just encourage you that not only are we experiencing this, but our neighbors need it as well. Our friends need it. And so let's just be those people, as you've always been in this community, that are thinking creatively, that are leading this type of change, and that in your own heart are, are asking God for the courage to lead forward in this moment. And that may not mean you know today what that looks like, but I can tell you for today what it means is let's spend time with God, let's be present with those that we're with, and let's just ask God to cultivate anew in us a vision for what he's up to, to impart to us what he sees coming in the future so that we can step into that. That's what we've always wanted to do in our life, and I know through all the work we've tried to do with Q, is just let's step into whatever it is that God is doing. And I think we're going to do that together as we walk through this spring together. And so for those of you who can join us April 22nd and 23rd for the Q Virtual Summit, I hope you'll jump in with us. And not just you, but will you invite some more friends, people all over the world, people that you've worked with in the past, people that you know care about what is Christian faithfulness going to look like for the season ahead. We're going to have that conversation together, and you're going to meet a lot of other people. It may be virtually, but you're going to feel connected. You're going to feel united. You're going to feel like the body of Christ is alive and well, and we're moving forward. And so I'm excited to be a part of that with you. And let's take advantage of a unique moment. Thanks, Gabe. It's great that with modern technology, we can still gather, albeit virtually, to talk through the important topics of our times, to stay curious, 
to think well and advance good. Again, all the details on the speakers and how to be part of this year's virtual Q2020 Summit, visit qideas.org slash 2020. That's qideas.org slash 2020. Now, let's get to our talk. Now, let's get to our Q talk for this week. And Gabe, it has to do with the topic of our personal liturgies. If you're not familiar with the term liturgy, essentially we all live on liturgy, but do we ever take time to think about what our liturgy is? How do we practice our day? What are our habits? How do we process our time? And when do we give time to the things that are most important to us? Well, these are some of the conversations we're having with two incredible people, Justin Whitmill Early and Douglas McKelvey. And this conversation took place at our most recent Q conference where Paula Ferris sat down with these two gentlemen to have a conversation. Now, let me just tell you a little bit about these two guys because they're fabulous. Both have written incredible books that I have found to just be so valuable in my life. The first is Justin Whitmell Early, and he's the creator of something called The Common Rule, which it's a program of habits designed to form us in the love of God and neighbor. He's also a lawyer in Richmond and somebody who's just created many things, everything from being the editor of The Urbanity Project and also a director of Thought and Culture Shapers. He works in the arts. He's married, four children, and in this project helps us better define how should we think about our daily life? What is our daily liturgy? What is the common rule? You're going to learn about that. But then the second one is author and a beautiful poet and writer, Douglas Kane McKelvey. And he's authored several books. The one that sits on the coffee table in my home is called Every Moment Holy, New Liturgies for Everyday Life. And what Douglas does in this is he literally creates liturgies, like dozens and dozens of them, for just these ordinary things, such as a liturgy for making morning coffee, or a liturgy for changing the diaper of your baby, or a liturgy for beekeeping, okay? So, so liturgies about things, so prayers that you would pray in certain moments of your life that otherwise you might not think of as deeply spiritual. And what he does is he essentially builds off the theology that Everything we do is connected to our spirituality, to God, to what he's designed for us to do and how to function. And by inviting these prayers into these moments, it can be beautiful. So I use his liturgy book a lot when we're hosting gatherings. or When I have my family sitting around the table, we'll read these liturgies and these prayers together. It's been really meaningful to us. But I want you to hear them talk about this. And so you're going to get to hear a wonderful conversation about how these two men have helped so many of us start to think about our daily life living on purpose, and how we can incorporate prayer and a mindfulness into the way we live as Christians in this culture. I feel like Oprah. Take a seat at the couch, gentlemen. <laughs> Doug, let me start with you. You told me backstage that liturgy has been part of the church since the very beginning. But why does liturgy matter, and what is liturgy? Well, there's the specific sense of the meaning of the word liturgy that has to do with the structure and content of, of church services or prayers. Um, but in, in a more general sense, there's a meaning of the word liturgy that is the work of the people. And in that sense, liturgy can mean any of the practices, any of the, the rituals, the actions that we repeat often enough that they become part of our life rhythm. And those life rhythms have the power to shape or to misshape our hearts, our theologies, our families, our churches, our communities. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's why liturgy is 
so important is because of the the shaping power. Right, its ability to shape. And and Justin, for you, you you just wrote this book that's out. It's called The Common Rule: Habits of Purpose for an Age of Distraction. What does liturgy have to do with this? And, and talk about your own journey and how it really took uh, crashing in order to find your, your real purpose it in did. this book. Um, yeah, I wrote this book because I fell apart. So I used to be a missionary in China, and um, then I felt the Lord call me to come be a missionary within lawyering. So I went back to the States and did law school with all the passion of a person on a calling. Little did I know I had walked into a liturgical formation machine called law school and lawyering. And so uh, while the house of my life was decorated with this Christian content of calling, the architecture of my habits, of my liturgical habits, just like everybody else's, all, all the incessant busyness, the technological addictions, always adding more. And unsurprisingly, I, I crashed. I actually started ex- experiencing sp- panic attacks and anxiety so bad that I became someone who either had to take medication or drink to wow. fall asleep. And so I was left with this really sticky question. How did the missionary become converted to the nervous medicating lawyer? And I think the answer was by habit. Mm. Because habits, like liturgies, small repeated actions that form us. They shape us. as Shape said, us. Yeah. My head was going one direction of my calling, but my heart, via habit, was going another direction. And so the common rule is a set of four daily and four weekly habits to try to wake us up to the idea that this liturgical formation is going on all right. the time. And then propose some practical guidance of here's how we could shape a day to become lovers of God and neighbor instead. Right. For those of us that are listening in the audience, why do you think it's so important to implement liturgy into our own personal lives, into our churches as well, Justin? Well, it's important because we already have it. We are all living according to a regimented program of liturgical habits. Just most of us have no idea what they are. But they are forming enormous parts of who we are becoming our mental health and our spiritual walk. So, for example, one of the daily habits of the common rule, scripture before phone, is trying to disrupt this liturgical patterns of our morning where we look for love um, or justification in our work emails or social media and instead guide us to find love in the right place. And so we're trying, it's, it's important for us to wake up to the ways we're being formed and then run in the direction of being formed in love of God and neighbor. Mm-hmm. Back to you, Doug. Uh, so th- this book, Every Moment Holy, you just read a, a liturgy to, to everyone a moment ago, but you have liturgies for gardening. You have liturgies for the first cup of coffee in the morning. You have liturgies for changing diapers. I particularly like that one. Justin, who has four young boys, uh, has gone to. H- how challenging. I want to read this liturgy for changing diapers. Um, <laughs> Heavenly Father, in such menial moments as this, the changing of a diaper, I would remember this truth. My unseen labors are not lost, for it is these repeated acts of small sacrifice that, like bright ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles this child. If we could only be so zen when we change right. diapers. <laughs> Why do we need a liturgy for some of those menial things that we do, changing diapers, the cup of coffee, gardening? My Anglican pastor told me how powerful the moment was the first time he consecrated the elements Mm -hmm. um, when he was the officiant at at a communion. And he said it was because this is not saying that this bread and this wine is any holier than any other bread or any other wine, but it's a lifting up of these elements um, to say this is what one day 
this is how we will see all bread and all wine um, in this context of, of our relationship to God and his movement and his presence in every moment. And I think that, that liturgy plays that kind of role for us because we know theoretically that God is always present and he's with us in every moment and at every time. But sometimes we're what's been called practical atheists Mm -hmm. in the way we actually live moment to moment Mm -hmm. and in the way we so easily lose or fail to cultivate that kind of awareness of, of what that means, that God is actually present with us, that his love does surround us. And if that's true, then it's true when we're choosing what to watch on Netflix. It's, mm-hmm. it's true when we're gardening. It's true when we're diapering a baby. Um, so then the question mm-hmm. is, well, how do we cultivate that understanding of, of where God Actually, his spirit is how intersecting you, how in those do you moments. Write, how do you get inspired to write liturgy about a cup of coffee or changing a diaper? Because I get inspired and, well, actually, I'm very uninspired when I'm changing diapers. So how do you get inspired to write a liturgy about that? Well, I, I think it begins with um, believing that God is somewhere in this moment and that this moment like all moments and circumstances, are ones that, given to God, can be used by him as, um, as, as a formative shaping moment. So I, I think there's, with, with some parts of our lives, it's easier to, to bridge that gap between the way we typically experience something and that question of where is God in this moment? So for all of you who have young children and change your diaper, just remember God is in that moment. That's, that's the, the takeaway. Um, Justin, I want, to, I want to go back to you. What's just some easy, practical, pragmatic advice on how we can not only reap the benefits of liturgy in our daily lives, but a way to implement it easily. Give us like one, two, or three ways that we can do it. Yeah, sure. I, I would just jump right off of what Doug said on these ordinary moments need to be lifted up. You know, I think extraordinary lives are built out of very ordinary moments. And so a lot of the habits that I write about in the common rule, some easy steps are things like cultivating the daily habit of turning your phone off for an hour each day to resist the omnipresence temptation of the phone and just be present in a very regular and ordinary way. With That's the love of neighbor right there. Or, you know, an ordinary but ancient habit of Sabbath is to take a day off and resist this culture of incessant busyness and pause. None of these things are extraordinary in and of them by themselves. But I think when we cultivate a life of habits that become liturgies that form us, these create beautiful, extraordinary mm-hmm. lives out of ordinary mundane moments. Yeah, these extraordinary moments come from those ordinary moments that we yes. have, and we all have them. Doug and Justin, thank you so much. This is thank you. Thank you. Been very enlightening. I appreciate it. These books are great, by the way. I hope this has been encouraging to you. I know it's convicting. I just think of what Justin said, where he said, my head was going one direction with my calling, but my heart, via habit, was going another direction. You know, just that idea that our habits really do show where we're going and what we care about. And then I think Douglas saying, I think it begins with believing that God is somewhere within this moment is certainly a way to incorporate prayer and incorporate making things that sometimes just seem mundane into very sacred activities. I hope this has encouraged you. Share this with friends. I would share this with family members. 
I would share this if you're married with your spouse. It's just a good way to have a conversation about how do we incorporate this more intentionally into our daily life. The thing is, Gabe, our daily lives right now are in upheaval thanks to the coronavirus, with so many of our daily routines lost. Families are dealing with working remotely from home or, worse yet, job loss. Plus, students are learning remotely, which has many parents frazzled. But this might be a great time to actually develop liturgies for our families that would not only help us bide the time, but build in practices that would help us to love God, love our neighbors, embrace hope, and resist despair in these stressful days of the COVID-19 pandemic. And to that end, Justin Early has just added a special section to his website, thecommonrule.org, that offers spiritual rhythms for quarantine. If you look closely, this could be an incredible moment for your household as you incorporate daily scripture reading, prayer, gathering safely, and lighting a fire of hope. Again, find the spiritual rhythms for quarantine at thecommonrule.org. Okay, before we go, one more invitation to our listeners to still gather with us virtually April 22nd through the 24th for the Q2020 Virtual Summit, our annual Q Conference. And even though the participation will be online, as always, we are looking for some deep, needed talks and conversations around topics like fighting pandemics, marriage and sexuality, Christians and politics, our suicide epidemic, raising resilient kids, really It's going to be a time of talking through hard topics. Plus, if you're part, you won't be just listening. Engage conversations. Get their feathers ruffled from time to time by the topics we take on, the different perspectives represented. Not everybody agrees on everything, but we've created a space. I'm so proud of our team creating this beautiful space where we can take in information, we can get educated and informed from experts in every channel of culture dealing with a myriad of issues. So again, visit qideas.org slash 2020, see the issues and the list of speakers, and sign up. That again is qideas.org slash 2020. Then gather virtually with Gabe and his team April 22nd through the 24th. And engage these ideas, build friendships, and continue forward this year as we try to lead the way forward during confusing times. So I hope you'll join, learn more, buy your tickets today at qideas.org slash 2020. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.